I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Hey, what's going on guys? It's Rico from Sourceline Asia and the Made in China podcast. I just wanted to give a general thanks to all the listeners and reviewers, uh, people who reached out to us with comments, emails, uh, you know, questions, you know, cri- uh, constructive criticism. Um, you know, this is a bonus episode. I wanted to answer a lot of the questions that people asked. I wanted to share the reviews that we received. Um, so that I could shout out those people's names and and just tell you what to expect going forward, what our plans are, sort of with the podcast, uh, a couple episode ideas that we're we're planning at the moment. So first off, it was it was pointed out to me that I didn't mention that all the resources such as the books, the apps, the websites, the the mentors, the 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 forums, and and you know just valuable stuff that we talk about in the podcast, we always provide uh, links in our show notes. So if you go to sourcefindasia.com slash made in China and you click on each episode, you scroll down show notes. Um, it's all the resources for every single episode that we that we have, including this one. So what do we have in store for the future? So um, I'm going to be interviewing one of the inter- episodes I'm going to be doing is interviewing a a woman who is 30 single and is Chinese. And uh, if this was in you know, if this was in a Western country, it wouldn't be a big deal. But in China, if you're above 25 and you're single, then and you're local, that's that's a it's a big it's actually an issue. You know, people start to get concerned about your mental health. Um, so she's a very intelligent woman, and she's just got an interesting, open mind. And I think that's going to be interesting to talk about dating in China at 30. Um, we'll also be interviewing a gentleman named Russell Smith from strategicmanufacturer.com. His company actually does websites and online marketing for Chinese manufacturers. Uh, that's got to be fascinating to be on the other side of, instead of trying to sell to foreign customers, he's selling to Chinese customers trying to earn, earn RNB instead of USD, right? So, you know, I think he's got a lot of insight into business in China. And if you haven't seen a stereotypical Chinese website, I suggest you go to how2123.com. That's H-A-O-123.com or sohu.com. That's S-O-H-U.com. And just, you know, be ready. Be ready for what you're about to see. Um, Along with this bonus episode, we just released uh, five things to know when manufacturing your own product. So that's that's great. Check it out after this one, or if you've already heard that, that's great. And the last one that I want to mention, we've got a bunch of things planned, but the last one that's kind of more confirmed is, and if we can pull it off, it's going to be huge. Uh, we're going to interview Nick Ramil from theelevatorlife.com. Um, enter China, like sell watches, which had a huge Kickstarter campaign a few years ago, and now Brink.io. Um, Brink is basically a startup accelerator so they help you know up and coming te- tech companies uh, reach their potential essentially they invest in them they help them do uh, crowdfunding they've raised millions in 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 revenue from they've re- they've raised millions in in crowdfunding and and uh, general investment money 
and Nick is actually probably the most successful person I know under 30. Um, so <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty interested in that, and I think that you guys will enjoy that episode. I was actually fortunate enough to hang out with Nick at his offices in Hong Kong this week, this past Monday and Tuesday. And, you know, I wasn't actually expecting, I wasn't actually expecting to spend that much time with him. I was only expecting to, you know, meet him for a couple of minutes, look around his office and then just sit down in, you know, one of the free co-working spaces and, uh, and, and get to work. And he did obviously showed me around and then he set me up and, you know, they've got a 1000 square foot office right in the sort of tech business area in Hong Kong. And, you know, he sat down with me and then, you know, what, I thought would just be a brief conversation. Hey, how are you doing? How's everything? How's Hong Kong? Then he started asking me questions about my business and he started to give me advice on my business and he gave me a lot of genuine, valuable, actionable advice. We ended up talking for an hour. I'm not going to share everything that he said here because it's probably not super, you know, a lot of the stuff is very personal to the business. But um, one of the things, two things that he said to me that, really stood out was first start journaling which I actually used to do um and then i got lazy with it and i've heard so many of the entrepreneurs that i aspire to be like talk about the importance of journaling and self-reflection detailed daily honest or at least consistent self-reflection um and I, i'm definitely gonna restart that i've already already started journaling it doesn't have to be long it doesn't have to be a a long-winded thing you can just five minutes every day you know write down your thoughts your plans and you know what's going through your mind at the time and then another thing that really resonated with me the second thing was that he said he rates his day you know on a day-to-day basis between on a scale of one to ten he'll rate his day and if he's had an 8, 8.5, 9, that's great. He has a 10, even better, he feels like Superman. If he has a 7 or below, he has problems sleeping. You know, he doesn't feel comfortable. He doesn't. He has problems sleeping at night. And, you know, at first when he said 7, I'm like, you know, it's not that bad to have a 7. I, I don't think that's so bad. And then he actually explained it further. And he said that he looks at his life right now and he's living his dream. You know, he wanted to be a successful entrepreneur running a huge business in Asia. Um, They're not just a business, but they're a business that's bringing, you know, good things to the world, that's innovative, um, that's exciting, and he's doing that. So for him to be pulling sevens when he's living out his dream is almost disrespectful to himself and disrespectful to anybody else that can't live their dream. So when he said that, that made sense to me and uh, I definitely took that to heart. All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. First, the listener questions. So Sean, I'm not going to say his last name because I didn't ask him if he was okay with me sharing his name on the podcast, but he said he'd like to hear about how it is to get started in China without an idea. So you come in with a teaching job, which is the most normal, and to start your network, you mentioned you mentioned that before, immerse yourself in the social life and you'll meet people, but you didn't go into detail. You could talk about entrepreneurial hangouts, web pages for this type of thing. So yeah, of course, the easiest way to come to China <clears throat> that most people use is to get a teaching job, probably English. Um, so there's a couple of different ways you could do that. You could either get a job before you come to China or you can come to China and try and find a job here. If you have the money, if you save up about three months worth of income, um, 
I would say that would be to live in China comfortably three months, maybe give yourself a little bit of a buffer. I would say something like four to five thousand dollars. I would do that. I would save up, you know, that amount of money, come down and try and look for a teaching job. You can probably find a teaching job within two months. Like uh, there are so many different ways. Once you meet expats, going to expat bars, um, even there's a website called gzstuff.com that Jesus stuff is kind of like Craigslist. There are job postings there. You can post up your own profile. Um, it's like a little bit of a cheap, face, a cheap Facebook as well. And there's a forum. So there's, you know, you can communicate with other expats and people show you around, um, you know, just being able to meet expats here. When you meet other, you know, foreigners here, they always have connections to jobs and can introduce you to schools that they work with or schools that they have worked with so it's it's much easier to be on the ground in china looking for jobs the you can also get jobs abroad um you do there are a few websites that post jobs and will say hey you know we'll, we'll reimburse your plane ticket um the only problem with that is that you don't really know what you're getting right because you just see this job posting and a lot of times these posts will promise big things They'll promise that you'll be in a big city and you'll be you have a nice apartment and they'll pay for that and you'll be close to the school. But I've heard so many nightmare stories where, you know, somebody gets a job that they think is in a huge city, but it's actually three hours outside the city, and then they're in a and they're in a small village. They've got a very bad apartment and they're far away from the school, and you know the there's a bus every hour. You know, like the, those extreme situations. So. It's kind of difficult to be coming here trusting, you know, there's a job posting you saw online. And then there's also agencies. There are agencies that are located around the world. There's one that I know of called STL. I'm not sure what the acronym stands for, but um, actually my coworkers used to work for STL. And I think, you know, I told them as well, and you know, STL is good in the sense that it helps you when you arrive. They but they do promise that you have a job, but you don't really have a job when you get here. You you more so go for a bunch of interviews. They set you up with a bunch of interviews. They do set you up in an apartment, and the apartment, from what I've heard, is is okay, and it's not that far away from you know the the general city and everything like that. So the only problem is that apart from not having a guaranteed job, they take forty percent of your income. You know, sometimes even half. So you know if you put that into consideration take that into consideration the same job that i had that my coworkers had i was working less hours than they were and making significantly more money than they were and if we worked the same hours i was making two times the amount of money as them and i think that's just not fair so you have to take into consideration these things with the agencies is like they're going to take some of them take a ridiculously high percentage they're taking advantage of you guys um next question that sean asked is china slowing down this may seem dumb to people who are there but the economy is slowing down uh, with the economy slowing down recently with the chinese government being notorious for figure fixing would anyone who knows these things still consider it a place to go a place to go it was 10 15 years ago um to make a first of all to answer that question i don't think i'm qualified to answer that question uh, <laughs> i think you know, just in my general opinion, I would say that it's definitely slowing down. That's that's for sure. You know, the the cost of living is higher. You know, the wage the wage uh, the wages have have risen. Um, generally, you know, food is more expensive. Everything in in China is more. Expensive. Manufacturing is more expensive. So it's slowing down in that sense. 
it's still growing it's just slowed down um i think it's still a place that you can come and make money significantly faster than in north america because at the end of the day china is still manufacturing 90% of the world's products um what's probably going to happen and what is happening is that the larger manufacturers who want to save you know money are moving to the surrounding countries um like cambodia like vietnam like taiwan because it's, there's a lower uh wage cost but at the end of the day i don't think it's going to be a long time before i think it's going to be a long time before china loses that you know the loses the manufacturing hold over the world just because you know they china knows how to manufacture they've been doing it for such a long time they have a huge uh, a huge labor force it's going to be a very long time before a country like cambodia has the infrastructure the manpower and, and the quality to manufacture on the same level that china has in fact i don't think that could ever happen just because of the sheer size of the country what's probably going to happen is you know people will have to choose whether they want to have something done properly on time um efficiently they'll have to, they'll have to pay a premium to do it in china or they could choose to do it in a, a, one of the small surrounding countries and take the risk of having an inferior product right next spivey said need to know for a newbie for example last year when i did my factory tour i had no idea what i was supposed to be asking or that they were expecting me to be, pre- be prepared to start working together that day i was just clueless about the whole process the podcast could help newbies feel more comfortable actually the other episode we released this week um this is five things to know when manufacturing your product we touched on factory visits so i'm not going to go uh too deeply into that because we went more deeply into the other one we talked about it more in depth than the other one but i'll just say yeah you know the things to look out for when you go to visit a factory is just you know uh you need to know that a lot of times these factories again they're dealing with a ton of inquiries when they actually get a foreign customer who physically visits their factory they're expecting to get a deal done soon so um we always recommend to the customers that you get all your you you cross your eyes um you dot your eyes and cross your t's before you go to the factory and be actually ready be at that stage where you're ready to place an order in the next week or two if you're not and you still want to go to see the factories the best thing is to tell them tell them as soon as you get there just say hey you know or even before just tell them hey you know we're we're looking to place an order in this period uh, this period of time right now we just want to see your factory and see that it's a high quality place and see that it has all the machinery and you know the things in place to make sure that you can manufacture our product adequately um spivey's next question was business customs in china versus the west actually spivey good news about that i'm going to be interviewing russell smith next week that's the guy that i mentioned before who does online marketing and and is actually sourcing not sourcing he's getting chinese customers so he's going to know way more about dealing with you know the differences in in trying to get a chinese customer versus a western customer so when we go into that i'm sure you'll be looking out for that and we'll answer more of your questions there um another thing that spivey wants to know about is the key terms uh, like OEM, FOB and FOB. Uh these terms we're going to we'll probably make an episode very soon. We plan on doing that, but we just kind of list out 
the key manufacturing and import export terms that are used often and explain what those are so stay tuned for that and last but not least is nick nerov this he's actually he actually left us a review as well and took it a step further and reached out uh nick says you mentioned in another comment that you can lose a relationship with a customer with a supplier in your first email by not realizing the language style you should use can you elaborate on wording and things to avoid in emails with suppliers so when nick says you mentioned in another comment he was talking about the article that we released the two articles we released about how to find your best supplier on alibaba and you know the things that i think foreign customers make a mistake with is assuming that they're talking to uh you know customer service or a sales rep in in their country it's different the culture is different the way they communicate is different um so a mistake that foreign customers probably do when they're talking to factories is being too demanding you you want to be a little bit more understanding you want to take it to consideration that this person is their english is their second language they're dealing with thousands of inquiries in a day uh, most of which don't go anywhere so if you're contacting a factory and asking them to give you free samples they're not going to do that because one they have to ship that to you and, and two they don't know where that's going to go they don't know if you're actually going to place an order they, then they're losing money from those samples right they'd rather have you either pay for the samples or if you physically visit the factory then they might give you free samples um make it easy for them to understand what you're talking about what your requirements are so be detailed don't be demanding but be detailed and use bulleted points numbered points to explain what you're looking for so you're saying hey i'm looking for you know craft paper bags for this product and one do you you know how many different colors can you print in a day two does the price change from this size to this size three what is the lead time if i order 500 versus a thousand versus two thousand like just make it very simple for them to follow your questions right um don't be too wordy just make it simple use detail be detailed but use bulleted or numbered points be honest about your business don't try to make your company look so much larger than it actually is it's much better to be dealing with a factory that understands your needs and is willing to treat you the same even though your orders are not as large as their previous customers or other customers they're dealing with if you end up going with a factory that's you know going to think that you're such a big company and then you place a small order you know they they might start to treat you differently they might start pushing your orders back you know you just want to be with a factory that doesn't care that you're a small company they know potentially that you could grow and they just they only care about providing you know high quality product next next question was let's say hypothetically that i want to locate and contact a manufacturer of toolboxes or something what is your method of getting past the wholesalers and getting straight to a manufacturer so when nick talks about ho- getting past a wholesaler and going straight to a manufacturer a lot of times when you go to alibaba.com and you're searching for manufacturers the companies that are listed there are not necessarily the people that the company is actually making that product a lot of times there'll be trading companies or wholesalers that try to come across as a factory so the best way to do that for us we just we call the factories directly and we ask them straight up are you a factory or a trading company or a wholesaler you know because my staff is chinese and they kind of know that we're a foreign company located in china 
they're less likely to lie to us. But just being able to call someone on the phone and say that straight up is, or even just saying that to them in an email, if you're not in China, you will be surprised at how many how many factories will just end up admitting the truth. Um, another strategy you could use is just mentioning that you want to visit their factory. You know, if you mention that you want to visit their factory, that normally is going to bring the truth out because, you know, they'll start to backpedal and say, oh, you know, our factories, uh, we're so busy. Oh, you know, we, you know, we just moved locations. Our factory's too dirty or, or we're under construction right now. So you'll start to see them backpedal and start to, you know, because now they have to start planning out. Like, can we rent out the factory for not rent out but can we use the factory for a day you know our actual one of our factories that we're going to outsource to can we go there and pretend to be that factory right so now they're they're in a difficult position because they're not used to um the foreign customers you know actually physically going to see them next other question was do you have any tips on becoming more of a priority to manufacturers you, you can tell will be slow. Could monetary bonuses for meeting deadlines be effective? I have no interest in placing another order with this manufacturer, but I could tell early on after placing the order that it would be very slow to get my product and wonder if there's a way to possibly increase the speed if a similar situation occurs. I mean, I would say the first thing is if you can vet the factories and just don't go with a factory that's going to be slow, you know um, that's the first thing is like just avoid manufacturers that will that very early on in the conversation you can tell that they respond you know their response time is very slow um just in general maybe they, they it takes you two three times for them to answer one question i would avoid monetary bonuses i don't think you want to develop that kind of relationship with the factory where in order to get them to do their job you have to pay them more money no i don't think that's the way it's supposed to be i think you want to find a factory that just does their job as we're supposed to um in terms of increasing the speed i think putting pressure on the factory you know sending them a ton of emails getting them getting their you know phone number getting their wechat which is uh it's like a messaging app like whatsapp if you can be able to contact them directly call them or have somebody else that you know call those factories um somebody else that speaks chinese then you know that's a that's a good option in terms of you know being able to get somebody who speaks chinese if you don't have any friends or if you're not in china and you can't get somebody to call for you you could probably find you know there's obviously companies like ours but you can probably find a cheaper option on upwork.com you'll find uh you know translators or people who, who have sourcing experience based in a similar time zone who speak mandarin or cantonese and you can basically communicate to those people what you want them to say and have them call the factory have them communicate with the factories um, and put pressure on the factory or supplier uh, to to get your products done on time right because a big part of it is not just the manufacturer being slow it's also the the idea that you send an email and it's going to take 12 hours for the factory to see that email. And then for them to respond, it's going to take, you know, they might not respond immediately, but it's still going to take a, probably another 12 hours for you to see the, the response. So if you have somebody who's, who's in the same time zone, that can just be helpful in and of itself. Just having them call the factory or send a few messages back and forth while the factory is working. Um if, if it's something, if it's a product that's being made, you also want to be pushing to get pictures of the manufacturing process. 
next two questions I'm going to lump in because my answer would be similar for both. Uh, what times? What type of items should absolutely be avoided? I know Will Mitchell over at Startup Bros says anything technically complex should be avoided, but there's obviously more to it. I recently got one of my sample products, a unique piece of clothing, and the bottoms were cheaply attached, and the zipper was already defective and doing that thing where it splits open while trying to zip it up. How do you avoid wasting your time with manufacturers like this? Is there a way to avoid manufacturers who simply disappear? I recently had another product come in, which I was very pleased with. It sold within hours of me listing it for 5x what I paid. I immediately went to order several more and found the item was no longer available for sale. So the, the simple answer to both questions is pre-qualification and being prepared to pay a little bit more for quality. So in terms of the first thing, how to avoid uh, items that should be avoided yes if you are on a budget you don't want to be sourcing something from china that's very complicated to make um that is delicate you have to pay a premium for things like that like if you're going to be paying uh, if you're going to be starting off your for your startup company you want to avoid trying to source products that are very difficult to make you know you need to have capital for the mistakes, mistakes are going to happen. Communications will, communication problems will happen, but you need to be able to pay for multiple samples. You need to be able to pay a slightly higher uh, price point to go with a high quality factory. So the second question was, how do you avoid a, a factory that's going to disappear? That's pre-qualification now. Um, so we actually answer this in another episode in the episode that we released, but I'll go into a little bit here. So in pre-qualification, you want to, be able to vet pre-qualified factories before you even communicate with them. One thing is being able to doing research on your materials, the dimensions, the specs, knowing how long it takes for your product to be made, all these details. If the more research you do on your product, when you start to communicate to the factory and you're asking them pointed, really detailed questions about the manufacturing process, and they under they seem like, oh my god, this guy knows you know, how this product is made and how long it's supposed to take and he knows all the materials involved, then they're less likely to just disappear. And if they're the kind of factory that was planning on just taking your money and running, they will probably stop replying to you early because they want to avoid dealing with somebody who understands uh, business in China. So just doing as much research as possible, pre-vetting the factories. Uh, Pre-qualification, we go more in depth in the Alibaba articles on the website, but I'd say uh, looking for large factories, you know, look for factories with with uh, the appropriate certificates. So we're talking about SGS certification, ASTM certification. Make sure that the certificates are, are up to date. You know, make sure they send you a copy of those certificates. Whatever certificates they might say they have, you know, make sure they send you a copy and see if they're up to date, right? And um, a factory that does, that makes many different styles of the same product, um, yeah, so basically those are the basics. Find a large factory, find one with certificates, just mitigation. Mitigate your risk by trying to find a factory that's as qualified as possible. I wouldn't say there's a ton of factories out there that actually have up-to-date certifications, but if you do find one, that's probably going to be a good factory. It's probably going to be a gem. You know, we work with some factories that produce products for Disney, you know, for Nike and these kind of things, and it's always just a more simple process it's just they're they're proactive we're proactive things move quickly um, when mistakes happen we know that it's not anybody's fault we just know that it's part of the manufacturing process um, 
this might be difficult to pre-qualify if you're in another country um, because maybe it's going to be difficult for you to check some of these qualifications and then so if they have some certifications that are in Chinese and, and some things like that that you might not be able to understand again I mentioned before you can probably hire somebody off of Upwork who can do some translation for you um, you can of course there are services like our company that you know we have our sourcing report services where we find 50 60 different factories narrow them down to the top 10 and then narrow them down to the top five based on criteria that we we've learned to to check for and uh, then give a recommendation to the customers yeah um so if you are able to find a, a factory with those kind of qualifications that's the there's nothing guaranteed in china but if you can find a factory or manufacturer or supplier with those qualifications you're most likely going to be in a better position than you would have been before uh, the last question that Nick asked was, have you ever tried to reach out to a manufacturer and ask for a tour of the factory? I find that it's a relatively easy way to find out if they're real, if they're real deal or not. Yeah, that's for sure. That's, um, you know, it's always helpful early on in the conversation to mention that you want to visit them, even if you're not going to visit them. That just will weed out, you know, the, the scammers really quickly. You know the the scammers, the the, the people are just gonna try and take your money and run. It's gonna weed them out for sure. One thing is, I just wanted to add, when you're buying samples, you know it's better to have a long conversation with the factories first, make sure that everything is understood in terms of what you want, and then of course then you want to order a sample. If you can have a sample done in North America and then just send that over to to uh, or buy a sample if you if you're not making a completely new pro a product, and then just send that to China, send that to the the factory in China, and have them replicate that. That's a much much easier way of of getting your product done properly than you know relying on a picture that they have on the website or sending them a picture. That's if you're bootstrapping. All right, on to the reviews. The first review was from Vivi Chen. She gave us five stars on iTunes from China. She says, good job. Thank you for sharing your experiences. Looking forward to your new episodes. Next one was Tom68106 from Canada. He said, insightful and practical. Awesome stuff. My company is based in Canada, but we do business in Asia. Rico has helped me tremendously with detailed information and logistics on the scene over there. His podcasts are worth it, and I definitely recommend to listen, especially while they're still free. I have no doubt Rico's endeavors will be hugely successful as time goes on. Next was, I can't read his name because it's in Chinese characters from China. Uh, he says, ranked ahead of BBC. I, I listen to BBC three every week i found this podcast ranked first in society and culture and ranked ahead of bbc i have to say it's awesome can't wait to listen to the next episode next was misa's the best from china interesting culture it's so interesting to hear about foreigners experience in my country i can't wait to learn more maybe i can run my own business in the future and of course it was nick nerov uh, lots of great info for, about living and working in China. I really enjoy this podcast. Rico and Mike have such different but complementing personalities. 
I'm an Amazon entrepreneur and the biggest sticking point for me is the sourcing and finding manufacturing side of it. Made in China, guys certainly shine some light on the topic and have actually inspired me to start planning my 2016 China trip. Highly recommend this to anyone looking for sourcing info told through entertaining stories. Nick, look forward to seeing you next year. Very knowledgeable about business in China. This is Ryan Mulvey from Canada, 5 Star on iTunes. I can tell the SourceFind Asia team has a really great grasp on how to do business in China. I really feel like I learned a lot about how to get a business started and in the great land, in the great land of China and all the headaches that go along with that. Awesome podcast. Uh, next one was Zamsky from the USA. Love the podcast. Made in China podcast is great for people who want to have a look into China's society and business culture from the perspective of a foreigner. Rico and China Mike are a fantastic duo in helping people like myself who are invested in doing business with China avoid the common pitfalls that a lot of foreigners go through when they first start dealing with China. In their podcast, they mix in their helpful tips with crazy personal stories the experience which also add fun to the podcast elements overall i love their podcast and we'll be tuning in to more as more episodes are established last but not least was omar abu shaban from usa five stars hidden gem very valuable information i absolutely love this podcast actually omar took it a step further and emailed us to inquire about our sourcing services which is pretty which was pretty great and he also gave me a fantastic idea of posting up a playlist of the outro music we use for our podcast thanks for that i'm definitely going to be doing that so again on the website if you go to sourcefindasia.com slash made in china you scroll down after you click on an episode scroll down in the, in the show notes you'll see a playlist most likely spotify but could be soundcloud i'm yet to decide once again guys thanks thanks to everyone for you know listening reviewing subscribing if you haven't reviewed us you need to review right now um if you want to reach out to us like the people that did the listeners from the previous podcast did that's info at sourcefinasia.com i-n-f-o at s-o-u-r-c-e-f-i-n-d asia.com um twitter at sourcefindasia instagram at sourcefindasia and you can find the show notes, as I mentioned before, on our, on our website, www.sourcefindasia.com slash made in China. And, and again, a special thanks to Nick for hosting me when I was in Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, we just want to keep the podcast going and keep putting out great content for you guys. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. Yeah. See you. Uh, after I was Il Molino. A soto soto just talking women and vino. The contract like 91 Damarino. I swear this guy Michael Rapino's boosting my ego. Overly focused, it's far from the time to rest now. Debates growing about who they think is the best now. Took a while, got the jokers out of the deck now. I'm holding all the cards and niggas wanna play chess now. I hear you talking, say it twice so I know you meant it. Fuck it, I don't even tend it, they should know's in it. I'm authentic, real name, no gimmicks, no game, no scrimmage. I ain't playing with you niggas at all. My classmates, they went on to be chartered accounts or work with their parents. But thinking back on how they treated me, my high school reunion might be worth an appearance. Make everybody have to go through security clearance. Tables turn, bridges.